Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Meerkat Musings podcast. I'm your host, Ben, aka Daftamon, as we run down and wrap up the second round of group stage fixtures at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. So, what we had to begin with was another demonstration that host nation Qatar really really, really, really are not cut out for this game. They were comfortably beaten by by Senegal in the end. They did score their first ever World Cup goal, so credit for that, I suppose. But they were beaten 3-1. They never really looked like they could achieve much more than a defeat. And in a somewhat disappointing fashion as well, fans were streaming out of the stadium well before the final whistle. And that kind of sums it up really as to as to what they think about the World Cup in Qatar itself, almost in a way. It it isn't a great look when fans, the host nation, leave the stadium early because they're losing in a game that, truth be told, they were always expected to lose. I know there were some faint hopes around possibly going on to achieve something a little bit more, but the ultimate and harsh reality is Qatar were always likely to finish bottom of the group, and with their final game being against the Netherlands, you can't foresee anything other than a pretty hefty defeat coming their way. The interesting thing with Group A is that it's still possible for the Netherlands themselves, who in principle are the best team in the group, to go home. The last match for them is against Qatar, which should be a straightforward win, but anything less than a win might be enough to actually put them out. If Senegal and Ecuador were to draw, and if the Dutch were to suffer a surprise and heavy defeat against Qatar, then it might possibly send the Dutch home. It would have to be quite a big defeat. We're talking by two or three clear goals here. And that seems highly unlikely. But football does throw up some strange results. And this World Cup is proof of that enough already as it is. Meanwhile, uh, the, the reason for that, by the way, is because Ecuador drew with the Netherlands and might feel slightly hard done by that they weren't able to go on and win the game. So that's left Group A in a slight measure of turmoil. And the same must be said of Group B as well. As you may recall, in the opening matches, Iran were thrashed 6-2 by England, whilst the USA and the Welsh drew one all. Well, this time around, it just goes to show that you can't judge a book by its initial defeat. In the Iran v Wales game, only one team looked particularly up for it, to be fair, and that team was Iran. They looked more dangerous, they played the better football, and when Welsh keeper Hennessy became the first and so far only player to be given a red card at this tournament... It was, at that point, almost inevitable that momentum would sweep around to a famous, very famous win. And they did. 
They would go on to win 2-0 with two goals very, very late, including, I think both goals may have come in added time, and added time in this World Cup can be up to sort of 10 to 15 minutes in some cases. So they enjoyed a great win from Iran's point of view, from the Welsh point of view. It was quite disastrous, really. Whilst in the other game in the group, England played out a very dour nil-nil draw with the United States. I say dour, it was dour from an English perspective. Uh, The Americans were actually, in terms of attacking play, by far the better side. But watching it as an England fan was excruciatingly painful. This was the England team that had frustrated so many at the Euros at one stage, but also during Nations League matches. It was a question of no invention, no real desire to get forward. It was just sideways passing and some somewhat sort of, well, there wasn't really any desperate defending as such, but more often than not, we were up against it. And when we had the ball, we didn't show nearly enough invention going forward. Southgate was, for whatever mystifying reason, pleased. He, he felt that we'd done what we needed to do and in fairness and draw virtually saw England through to the next round. But from the perspective of building up momentum based on the previous match, it was just a complete lethargic step backwards. And with England playing Wales tonight, the the hope will be that we might see a different side to England. The key issues that many fans have is... We do have some terrific attacking players, but they have been, well, against the USA at least, largely benched. Phil Foden, who many England fans would agree is one of our most exciting young attacking talents, has only played for about 20 minutes so far at this World Cup in the uh, first game against Iran. The game was crying out for someone like him against the USA, to open up and unlock a stubborn US midfield rather than just passing it sideways. Uh, instead, Southgate opted to take off Benningham and bring on Grealish. And Grealish, you know, is not a bad player going forward himself, but Foden's better. Foden can play in the midfield, he can play in kind of higher up the pitch as well, and he knows how to score goals, but for every reason, we didn't see him. We um, were treated to a rather lacklustre performance from Manson Mount, who needs to kind of perhaps have a have a maybe a refresh, a rethink, a chance to rest. But whether or not Southgate will do that is anybody's guess. Kane perhaps could also do a little bit of a rest as well. But again, will Southgate do that and, and take a chance on someone else in what is, to a small degree, a, a crunch match for England? The bottom line is the only real way that England go home, even with a defeat, is if we lose 4-0 to Wales, which seems highly unlikely, given that Wales themselves have had a big problem with firepower. But if Wales get an early goal and England continue to be pedestrian, then all of a sudden you start to get a bit more anxious. So it depends on how Southgate sets this all up. To me, one of the key things about a World Cup is generating momentum. If you get a couple of good results, you want to go on getting good results. If you have a good win playing attacking football, 
I don't necessarily know why you want to then upend that sort of performance and style with a really slow, sluggish performance the next time. Winning breeds confidence in football. And it doesn't matter how you win to a certain degree. So yes, if England had won by playing a kind of possession-based, slow, patient build-up game, I wouldn't have argued. But that's not what we did. We didn't really even look like we were trying to win. And therein lies the frustration. So there's plenty of work to be done. Plenty of work to be done if England are to improve. I think we'll get through to the knockout stages. But when we come across teams that play with energy and passion and desire, and we could well play in the next round uh, either Ecuador or Senegal, who will both play with energy and passion and desire, we could come unstuck if we continue to play the very slow, plodding pedestrian football that teams can easily respond to. So there needs to be a bit more urgency. The game, our game, needs players like Foden and they need to be let off the leash. But we'll have to wait and see what Southgate decides to do. Speaking of unleashed, well, I say unleashed, to a small degree, we saw a bit of classic Lionel Messi magic in the group stages this time around. As you may recall, Argentina had suffered a shocking, stunning defeat to Saudi Arabia in their first game. So next up for them were Mexico, and they, they really couldn't afford to slip up again. A defeat would not automatically have confined them to being knocked out, but it would have left them virtually out. And if other results went against them, then there'd be no question that they'd be out. But we saw Argentina improve considerably, despite a very poor first half against Mexico, although in fairness it was a very poor game all round, we retreated to a good, drilled, low, long-range effort from Lionel Messi to just kind of remind everybody that he is still perhaps one of the world's best players or certainly a player that can still change games. And a short while later, it wasn't a game that I actually sort of watched, I've seen some highlights. Shortly afterwards, Argentina had a second goal to bring their campaign back to life. While Mexico now have it all to do, they absolutely positively have to beat Saudi Arabia to have a chance because Poland beat Saudi Arabia in the other game, which in fairness was completely against the one of play, without any doubt whatsoever. But that game served up a big, big, big reminder of one of the great truisms of football. If you don't take your chances when you're on top, you are inviting defeat. Saudi Arabia were actually by far and away the better side. They created more opportunities, they, they attacked more, but they just couldn't finish at the sharp end. And I think what they were doing was they were, they were lashing at shots almost angrily, almost panicky, without realising that they had more time on the ball than they thought, that they just had a little bit of patience. If they just kind of took another touch or two, composed themselves, positioned themselves, then they may have tested the keeper more. But instead, they just blasted so many chances skyward. And you just felt so frustrated watching them because it was a game that they deserved to win. They were by far and away the better of the two sides. But 
like I said, if you don't put the ball in the net, you are going to lose. And Poland scored two second. Uh, well, they actually scored, I think, one goal in the first half and one goal in the second half, uh, which on both occasions were against the one of play. But when you don't take your chances, you lose. And when you give the ball away on the edge of the box to a striker like Lezanowski, well, you are just gifting someone like that a goal. And that's what Saudi Arabia did in the second half. So, yeah, it was a game that was extraordinarily frustrating from the point of view of a neutral, from the point of view of anyone who wanted Saudi Arabia to do well. And it's not the end for Saudi Arabia. If they beat Mexico, they could still very much go through to the next round. But you have to wonder, are they going to have that fight in them? What's going to be going on in the training ground? Personally, I'd be suggesting they have a look at how they finish their chances because the other aspects of their game against Poland, apart from those one or two blips, were absolutely fine. But we'll have to wait and see. Elsewhere in the tournament, well, we saw Mbappe score twice against Denmark. He now has three goals for France in this tournament. And, you know, let's face it, scoring goals is what Mbappe does. France became the first team to win both their matches at the World Cup so far. And the first team to put themselves through to the last 16. It's still kind of all to play for in the rest of that group but we'll just have to wait and see who comes out on top there we've seen some some good wins in other groups i'm not going to recount every last game by the way um, but we've seen some good results in and uh, games in other groups in um in groups G and H, we saw some cracking games actually, including a a great victory for Ghana uh, over over South Korea. They actually took a two goal lead and then were pegged back to all before Ghanans managed to get a late winner to set themselves up nicely in a kind of do or die clash against Uruguay to determine who makes it through to the next round. It's a game that Uruguay have to win after they succumbed to a defeat against Portugal. And you know, it's shaping up to be some sort of dramatic high-flying ends. It was a free-all draw, I think it was, between Cameroon and Serbia uh, in, uh, group, in Group G, which also features Brazil and Switzerland. That game leaves the group kind of wide open. Brazil won both their games in that group so far to also book their place in the last 16. Albeit they didn't win particularly comfortably against Switzerland. Uh, They did, in the end, take a probably, on balance, a deserved win, but they had to be very patient for it. And it leaves so so much to sort of finely poised in this group. We had a draw between Spain and Germany. Uh, Defeat for Germany could have been disastrous but they were given a reprieve Costa Rica beat Japan by a goal to nil despite only having one shot on target so far in the entire World Cup they managed to score it and Japan who beat Germany so brilliantly in their first game couldn't quite find a way to respond to that late goal and that is really what has given the biggest reprieve of all to Germany they now face Costa Rica in their last game and they know if they win, they are probably through because there is a good chance that Japan 
people lose to Spain, although of course it's not guaranteed. But it's also, given the performances of Germany thus far, not guaranteed that they'll beat Costa Rica. It's been that kind of World Cup. There are so much in the way of uncertainties. No one quite knows who's going to achieve what. Belgium um, are, are pretty much stuffed, it's fair to say. Uh, they've had a miserable tournament. They were beaten by Morocco uh, to follow on from disappointments in their opening game as well. And they're now staring at an exit from the competition. Their game against Croatia has become crucial in that final game. Um, there is a possibility that both of those teams might not go through. Uh, if there were draws all round, I think that's enough to send the other teams in that group through to the knockout stages. It does seem to be a sort of slight thing that European sides, in some cases at least, have struggled somewhat at this World Cup. And you wonder if that's something to do with the, the climate, perhaps. A lot of these European teams are coming out from kind of increasingly wintry conditions in Europe to head to what's you know, still sort of more or less 30 degree temperatures in Qatar, uh, which is quite possibly sort of outfoxing them. Whereas some nations are a bit more used to the kind of climate they're playing in. And, you know, for some of these teams, they are literally kind of diving into this tournament a week after their, their leagues have been suspended. And therefore, are they perhaps in the right position in terms of training mentality for an international tournament? Whereas other teams would have had a bit more of an opportunity to, to kind of bed in, to, to train, to, to build up some harmony. So in this unusual tournament, we are seeing some unusual results and we could yet have an unexpected winner. Although I'm going to stick by my original idea, my original theory, that France would end up victorious in the end, just because I think their overall quality is so good. Brazil, I think, are probably the only team that looked like they could actually push them. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if we actually get a France-Brazil final. But there's a long way to go. So many things lie uncertain in this World Cup. We are about to enter into the final round of group matches, and we will find out from those precisely who goes through, who plays who in the next round, and who looks like they might just be able to begin to grip this tournament by the scruff of the neck. We shall find out in due time.